0: Three suspected members of the IRA are arrested in Colombia. The Colombian authorities say they were training the rebel
1: army FARC. The
2: Colombian authorities said the three were arrested by police investigating the training of members of the left-wing guerrilla movement FARC.
0: we have gone into the main terminal building. We took no notice. There's always high security. There's always lots of soldiers around.
3: It's August 2001. A man walks through Bogotá International Airport. The passport in his hand says
2: his name is Joseph Campbell. In Ireland and Britain, authorities know him by another name.
0: We were about to book onto that flight when I saw a man approaching us with a, a long black leather coat.
3: Along with two other men, he is returning from San Vicente del Caguán after four weeks deep in FARC, Colombia's largest guerrilla army's territory. Known as La Zona del Despeje.
2: It's an unusual holiday destination for men of their age and background. They had aroused suspicion.
0: If you've seen the film The Matrix, and there's a villain there just the same, but he didn't dress in in military uniform. He he wore this thing with the long black leather coat. Remember, you know, well, Bogota is a city where you wouldn't see too many people in long black leather coats. And behind him was a group of maybe eight or ten soldiers. And uh, he came over and he spoke in English. He said, uh, this is a routine check. Uh, We want to uh, ask you a few questions. Come with us. And, of course, (laughs) immediately when anyone says it's a routine check, you know it's not a routine check.
3: Colombian authorities ask questions of the three men. The main one being, what were you doing down there for four weeks?
0: He asked questions... Did we see any installations there, guerrilla installations, camps? Uh, We had been there as, uh, more or less, as as guests of them, and they had made us welcome. And uh, we weren't going to give information uh, which would be used to to kill them. So uh, we didn't give it. And, of course, uh, that immediately
2: set the alarm bells going. Authorities over here receive copies of the passports and the men's fingerprints. Two of the men have connections to the IRA, James Monaghan and Martin McCauley. The other man, Niall Connolly, was a Sinn Féin's representative in Cuba.
0: When your man, the man in the black leather coat, he arrived in complete change of attitude. Uh, they dropped the questions about the drugs and immediately were on about the, uh, the military the park where we train in the park, they had got people uh, with an IRA background, and therefore uh, they would would assume or jump to the conclusion that it was for the IRA getting in touch with the park,
3: uh, operating uh, you know some sort of training camp.
2: They would become known as the
3: Columbia Three. In 2004, after three years in jail, the three men got bail and fled Colombia. They were convicted in their absence of 18 FARC terrorists and sentenced to 17
2: years in jail. Jim Monahan now lives freely in Dolphins Barn, Dublin. Hello, Jim. Come in, come in.
3: There is no extradition treaty between Ireland and Colombia. The Colombian government views the three men as fugitives from justice. If captured in certain Interpol countries, they will be deported back to Colombia. This includes Northern Ireland.
0: Jim or James? Oh, Jim. 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 No, James is the formal, <laughs> Jim is the, the normal. Yeah. Or sometimes famous.
2: A couple of years back, James Monaghan published a book can I, can on fellow inmate from Colombia called Diego The True Story of a Colombian Guerrilla Fighter. Diego uh,
3: Fernando Lopez Jaramillo met Jim Monahan in La Modelo Prison. He was a member of ELN, an urban university and trade union centered version of FARC. We, we made Diego it. had both his hands blown off in an explosive accident.
0: You can see how long they've been there because the bags were
2: There was talk about a possible documentary. Jim was just interested in making a documentary about Diego, the
3: ELN guerrilla member with no hands who managed to write a book.
2: If you talk about Diego, you have to talk about yourself. You have to tell your story of what you were doing there, what happened in prison.
0: Newspapers. Um,
2: so each thing, each
0: thing that you come on, uh, then you remember it, you remember bits about it. Yeah. And the more you, where well, you think you've forgotten completely about a thing, uh, these are kind of keys. And then of course I was able to talk to uh, Martin and.: It's kind of water of a duck because in a previous generation, you'd be labeled a rebel, and that was a terrible thing to be labeled a rebel. In 10 years' time, they'll have some new war and they won't be terrorists. It's only, you know, it's, it's a term of abuse and they've tried to define it as a terrorist as a person who tries to achieve political change by force. Let's look at all, like, for instance, the British government. Let's look at the American government. Let's look at the Spanish, the French and so on. Don't they use force in their colonies or their ex-colonies? Don't they use force to take the oil fields, don't they use... You know. So we're going to say, right, Brenton Behan, I think, summed it up nicely. He says, the terrorist is the one with the small bomb. The bigger the bomb, I think the bigger the terrorist. Especially when they're reminded, as they often are, that even inside these friendly local neighbourhood police stations in the United Kingdom in 1983,
3: they can still be got at.
2: Jim Monahan joined the IRA in 1968. He says he was politicised by the blowing up of Nelson's Column, A friend introduced him.
3: What happened, a articulated lorry drew up from over the border, moved up to within about 200 meters of the police station and on the back it had 10 remotely controlled mortar tubes. The driver flicked a switch and uh, the mortar started arriving in the police station. In fact, I've got here the fin of one of the mortars.
2: The newspapers and Special Branch gave him a nickname, a word connected to a weapon. A nickname he says is fiction.
1: Um, you can see it's actually quite a big thing. Um,
0: a
3: little plaque on it, I know. That's right. Yes, it says uh, "Presented to Rossley Police by
2: Monahan IRA." They called him Mortar Monahan. He was arrested for the first time in London in 1972. There was a kind of a casual
0: relationship that every time I was arrested, it was with a martyr.
2: But uh, you see, that kind of
0: nickname, Mortar Monahan, that was never. That's an invention of the newspapers. That was that was never uh, used as, at least I never heard it. But it's the kind of the newspapers love to put these nicknames on. Maybe it makes it sound more dramatic or
2: something. In 1976, he was arrested for a second time in a thigh. I got eleven
0: for the the murders. Uh ten for the escape, and another clatter of sentences for a few other things in between where there was another
2: factory they found with what they said was there, you know the for more martyrs they say he was on the executive council of the IRA Diego Fernando
3: Lopez Jaramillo is currently in Popian prison in the south of the country he is 38 years old he's been in prison for 13 years since 2000 he received a 40 year sentence for kidnapping and terrorism but through reductions, he has five years to serve. He grew up in Uraba in northern Colombia. His parents were subsistence farmers. When young, he saw friends murdered by paramilitaries. He was only 15 when he joined the ELN, and then spent 10 years fighting the government. He lost both his hands and his left eye in a grenade accident. He was cleaning the weapon and it activated. He was distracted because he was watching TV. It was a documentary on Che Guevara. He woke up in hospital without his hands and lost his voice for three months. He was then sentenced to 40 years in prison. I finally get to meet Diego Fernández López.
4: In, in I tell world.
3: him we are making a documentary on Jim Monaghan.
4: Three suspected members of the IRA are arrested in Colombia. The Colombian authorities
0: say they were training the rebel army FARC What are the implications of
2: their arrests? The Colombian authorities have released more information about the three men from Northern Ireland who were arrested at Bogota Airport on Saturday. In August 2001, the Good Friday Agreement was three years old. A lot of people in Ireland and Northern Ireland had questions about what they were doing for four weeks in FARC-controlled Colombia. A lot of questions.
1: It's very clear from uh, this operation... Uh, which, because of the seniority and experience of those who are involved, clearly would have been sanctioned by the Army Council of the the IRA, Uh, that uh, they are still uh, linked to uh, violent terrorist uh, activity. Uh, And you really cannot have people uh, who are in the the government of Northern Ireland while their fellow uh, travellers are taking part in uh, training uh, terrorists in Colombia to blow people to
2: pieces. I don't know that. Uh, does anybody know that yeah. except the people who actually uh, have the full intelligence on this? Uh, I would only be speculating if I said yes or if I said no. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that there is a, a long history of people actu- actually uh, selling their wares in, uh, in terms of this type of activity right throughout the world. Despite one not guilty ruling and one guilty verdict, the question still remains, what were they doing there?
0: The uh, unfortunate thing about journalists is, is that uh, they get a story and then they, they put their own elaborations onto it. They put on, you know, the nicknames and the, the board watching and all that. That's all a flight of fancy <laughs> of their own. Like, it's, it's kind of, in a way, what I took it was, it was kind of making a jeer of the, uh, the thing that, oh, we were there for the peace process. Well, the reason that we went to Colombia, and the reason we had gone to Nicaragua before that was that uh, there was a peace process going on in Colombia at the time, and there had been a peace process had gone on in Nicaragua so, so it was to it was to find out about these processes and what happened. So when we got to San Vicente on the way down, it was where the peace talks were going on. obviously you would have met the FARC there. You know, like it, it, that was the whole the whole point. We went there uh, to see the peace process and, of course, in seeing a peace process, you'll make contact with the people. So when we got to San Vicente on the way down, the FARC had the little office in the town and so on, and you came in from the airport and you went into the office and they asked you what were you doing in the zone. And uh, they... Uh, were told, yes, we were here to see the peace process, we're here from a a Republican group in Ireland. And uh, the FARC were interested and asked us for some things that they could verify. And a couple of days later, uh, the word came back uh, that, uh, yes, there would be transport uh, to where the the talks were actually taking place in a place called Las Posas, not in San Vincenti. They would. They were holding these meetings. There would be a kind of a, a semi-open air uh, thing, and different people would come in and they would talk. Now I couldn't follow it terrible well because even with an interpreter, you're, it's it's very fragmented. Like you, you listen to what people say, and you read what they you know what they write and so on, and it's very obvious that uh, they're skeptical about about the the because 'cause they'd say, well, look, there's there's another explanation about what you were there for and that was that you were there to train the gorillas. I say, well look, I can't counter that by by words. You know, whatever I say you can say, Oh well, you know, that you're only making that up, that's only all I can say is look look at the hard evidence.
3: A lot of people in Colombia had questions about what these three men were doing in FARC-controlled Colombia. They still do. FARC are connected to the drugs trade. One of those Colombians was the man in the long black leather coat.
0: My last meeting with the man with the black coat, uh, he he came into the office where I was being held and told two soldiers to take me outside. So the three of us were standing outside on our our roadway and he says... uh, I want some meaningful information from you, and he says you've you've got three minutes to give me meaningful information, or I'll send you to a prison which is run by the paramilitaries, and you know what they'll what they'll do to you when you get there. I say he's blowing. So he was staring into my eyes. I was staring back into his eyes. So I, he's <laughs> blowing. So the next thing we were put on that. Uh, uh, a truck or a jeep, can't remember what, and brought in a convoy to this Lamadelo prison, and we had been watching on the telly. We'd seen things about Lamadelo prison, you know, and there was
2: had been trouble there. The Columbia three were arrested in August 2001. They would spend the next three and a half years in the
3: country. This was a big story in Colombia. There was a tentative peace process at the time. Critics say it was FARC ignoring the process and preparing a sophisticated bombing campaign of Colombian cities. FARC said it was the government propaganda to invade the zone.
0: The next thing we were arriving in La Modelo. So we arrived into La Modelo and we found when we were in there that the paramilitaries, we actually had to go through where there were paramilitary prisoners.
3: La historia se desarrolla en dos niveles
2: the story develops twofold. There was the world outside, far away, involving the Northern Peace Process, Colombian politics, Downing Street, US Congressional hearings and Aructas Committees.
3: And there was life inside La Modelo Prison, an institution marking the fault lines of war-torn Colombian politics, pro-government paramilitaries on the one side and FARC rebels on the other, all under the one roof. In La Modelo, every
0: prisoner going in got a choice do you want to go with the guerrillas or do you want to go with the paramilitaries? now if you went with the guerrillas you're an enemy of the state Mm -hmm. to be honest your mind was much less on what was happening outside the jail than what was happening inside the jail because uh, like what was happening inside the jail was a direct you know directly concerning you and the news story and all well you knew about it Ah, you didn't think much about it. At least I didn't think much about it.
3: The first couple of months were difficult. In the heavily politicised world of Colombian prisons, the three men were clearly demarcated. The lines were drawn and they were seen as FARC.
0: All the publicity that you're getting in Colombia was that they were saying that we were IRA who were training the FARC guerrillas because of that, that made us kind of, as it were, public enemy number one. That you were nearly worse than the park guerrillas because you were you were actually training them on something which presumably they didn't already know. They were moved around a lot. It was tense to say the least. And we were allowed out each day. To make a, you had you had five minutes for a telephone call. End the thing, so the telephone was in the wall at the foot of the stairs. The paramilitaries were up the stairs, so the three of us would go out one at a time, do your phone call, come back. Uh, this day, for some reason, the guard called us out a bit early. The three of us made our phone call, went back. We're sitting in the in the in the cell. Next thing was this: we said bang outside, <laughs> and uh, we didn't know what was happening. There 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 was a bomb at the telephone. And uh, so we found out afterwards that the, the, the paramilitaries had got the time that we went to the phone and had thrown the bomb down the stairs even though they couldn't see.
2: be true ever since the the incident happened there have been people up there who say that uh, we must get to the bottom of this especially those who are involved in the House International Relations Committee and who have been investigating this uh, congressman William Della Hunt of Massachusetts for an in, instance he has been adamant right from the start and um, that this must be investigated thoroughly and his line on it is that seeing as Gerry Adams did claim Niall Connolly as a member of Sinn Féin he was he was uh, Sinn Féin's representative in Cuba uh, that certainly Sinn Féin Uh, must have known something of what was going on here. Back home and in America, their capture was front page news. It was at the very centre of political discourse. The debate raged.
4: Uh, I mean, it was absolutely disgraceful and uh, uh, indefensible that uh, any IRA men were involved in Colombia, if they were. I mean, that is absolutely unacceptable and I'm totally outraged by it. Having said that, I have not seen any links at all yet between the IRA people who are alleged to be in Colombia and anyone in the, uh, in Sinn Féin or any leadership position in the Republican movement. So I don't see the purpose of going ahead with the hearing unless there's no evidence. And from all, all I can tell, there is no new evidence. And they
0: didn't tell us, they just came out, rushed in all these things and filled his arm to the teeth and uh, all, all the rest in black and pulled us out and put us, and brought us to a police holding centre. Uh, we 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 told that uh, a gun had been found. Uh, it was attached. It was a light fitting which you could was held on with a couple of screws, and the gun had been placed inside the the light fitting. And uh, they had reckoned that we it was going to be an assassination, uh, that we were going to be shot. And again, another thing was that uh, the guards had come to us and told us that uh, they could hear scraping noises above. What they thought was happening was that uh, the paramilitaries were going to make a hole in the ceiling and drop a hand grenade in. And they came along then with um, welding plants and they welded metal mesh over the the air vents so that you couldn't get a grenade in through them.
2: In Ireland, a campaign was formed called Bring Them Home. Before Jim Monahan met Diego
3: and the book, he met other prisoners. One of the first to stand out was a FARC prisoner called Robinson. And this was the shooting where we were moved,
0: was they had put into this new prison thing, they had put in uh, five paramilitaries, and then they brought in a guerrilla who was, you know, like he was kind of a middle-ranking guerrilla. But a fairly tough note. And they put him in with the five paramilitaries. So your man, this then he went under the name of Robinson. I don't know was it anything to do with Mary Robinson, you know, like the name where he picked up the name Robinson. Anyway, it's called Robinson. And Robinson managed to get a gun smuggled in. So he went into the paramilitary where they were meeting in a cell. And he shot the leading one, a dead and wounded all the rest except for one and then just dropped the gun, walked out with his hands up to the middle of the the, the square, the patio, and uh, he was standing with his hands in the air so they didn't shoot him. You know, the paramilitary death that caused us to be moved, but when we went back, we were in with Robinson. He was Farrakh and he assumed that no matter what we said, that what he was hearing that we were training the park must have been essentially correct, or at least that we were sympathetic in some way to the park, which we would be, because once you see that country you couldn't help but be sympathetic to the people that were trying to fight for you know better a better life, better conditions. Because really they are ground down. Falling in with Robinson actually helped us a lot because it meant you had somebody that nobody was going to mess with. So as the place filled up with more uh, drug prisoners, paramilitary prisoners and guerrilla prisoners, uh, right from the beginning we were in this sort of position don't mess with the Irish because Robinson is uh, is looking after them.
3: In February 2002 they were formally charged with two offences traveling on false passports, and the more serious charge of training FARC guerrillas.
2: In April, there were congressional hearings into the links between FARC and the IRA. The arraignment was scheduled, we were told, for October. It was then cancelled.
4: (laughs) Allí no conocí en la cárcel modelo. Estando allí,
3: alguna vez vi... In 2003, Diego met Jim Monahan for the first time in La Modelo Prison. He says, Three strange people who were not Colombians arrived. They piqued my curiosity. I wanted to meet them. What he remembers of Jim Monahan is not what you expect. There will be sometimes visitors in the prison. He says, I like the time he danced with a Colombian woman without knowing the Vallenato rhythm. He was dancing Vallenato music, which comes from the Atlantic coast. That attracted me a lot. The way this person could, with so many difficulties, dance like that. So it was a very beautiful view of life, to adapt to different cultures without worrying about the circumstances. It was around this time that Jim Monahan encouraged him to write something he shows me using his stumps.
2: There were items on the news about the trial of the three men, The three men were refusing to leave the prison and attend the court. The trial was suspended as prosecution witnesses did not appear. The Colombian vice president said everything was above board.
1: Let me talk about the the judicial system in Colombia. We have a very strict separation of powers. Um, We cannot influence decisions. There are rules to which how much time you can take to decide things. And and what we have said is... um, Let's wait until the judge decides in his case, with his independence. Let's hope that the ruling will satisfy all of us.
3: Diego began to write his book using his stumps. I took off my boots and started to go as fast as possible upstream until I arrived at a quagmire covered in thorny bushes. Slowly, I got into the water leaving my legs in the water and my body in the mud. I stayed completely still, face up with the grenade in my chest. They were looking for me, everywhere, and I could hear them saying, he left his boots here, and up here is his bag, and bring the dog. I thought that if the dog caught my scent, they would surely find me. I was scared. The water and the mud were freezing and set me shivering, which was worsened by my nerves. I bit my lips and my tongue. I could feel the blood flowing and swallowed it, but kept shivering. A soldier stood less than two meters away from me. He crouched and drank water from the stream. My God, make him go away fast, I thought. He looked around him and said, There is nothing around here. Let's keep looking. At that moment, the dog passed by sniffing and moving the bushes. Another soldier asked, what's in there? And the answer came, don't worry, the dog will tell us. I knew some tricks to avoid being found by dogs and I put one of them into practice, though not really convinced of what I was doing. I saw myself dead already. He says, I told him that I was writing my own story and he became interested in that. I trusted him that he could get it published. Jim Monaghan sent Diego's manuscript home to Ireland with his brother, who was visiting the prison.
2: A short time ago, a court in Colombia found three Irish men not guilty of training FARC fighters, but guilty of having false passports. The court sentenced Niall Connolly, James Monaghan and Martin McCauley to four months in prison. All three will be expelled from Colombia when sentences have been served. The three were arrested in August 2001, trying to leave Colombia. Today's verdict was delivered nine months after their trial ended in the Colombian capital, Bogota. Well,
1: uh, it's a sensational judgment uh, which was delivered in the Palace of Justice here in the central of Bogota within the past few minutes. Judge Jairo Acosta, the man who heard the case over 18 months, which ended uh, almost nine months ago, was there. Beside him, there was a more senior judge and this lady delivered the verdict in Spanish. It took just under a minute to deliver it.
3: In April 2004, the Colombia three were found not guilty of training FARC rebels. The prosecution lodged an appeal.
0: I uh, delighted would be more like. Certainly, uh, I had thought there was, wasn't much chance of getting uh, getting released on it, but we were trying it anyway, you know.
2: Naturally, you, you you would try to get out if you could. The three men were able to get out of prison ahead of the appeal ruling. Thoughts already had turned to home. The thing was that you'd be.
0: Like as, as events turned out, I got 17 and a half years. I would have been foolish to have sat around and, and waited for... Like, when you say Colombian justice, it's basically... The question was, do you trust Colombian justice? And the answer was fairly definitely no. So, the, then you, you, you started to, to work out, well, how would, you, how would you get out of the country? How would you get back home?
2: in just a moment. But first of all, we're going to go to Charlie Bird, our chief news correspondent, who's on the line with some breaking news. Charlie, it concerns the Columbia Three.
1: Yes, there's some dramatic news just come in from Bogota within the past few minutes. Uh, It's been confirmed that Niall Connolly, James Monaghan and Martin McCauley have been sentenced to 17 years imprisonment and that an arrest warrant has now been put out for the three men in Bogota and that uh, the verdict of a three-man judicial committee which was examining the original verdict in the case, they apparently have also said it's just been handed down within the past few minutes.
3: Three Irishmen, initially acquitted of training Marxist rebels in Colombia, have now been jailed for more than 17 years following an appeal. The prosecution successfully appealed the acquittal of Niall Connolly, Martin McCauley and James Monaghan. Arrest warrants have been issued for the three men who have remained on bail in Colombia. The years.
2: 17 years.
3: The authorities went to arrest the three men, but they had fled the country.
4: Diego
3: heard the news in the prison, he says It was very good news because we knew they were back with their families One has a lot of utopic ideas that you can pursue when you're free I get sad when new inmates arrive in prison um,
4: And how long did it take you to get home? A year So it was a
0: whole year of travel? All year, yeah. Well, obviously, you'd be travelling a bit and stopping and waiting for the next bit and travelling a bit. Whether they're on the run or or not, uh, I think the, the, I assume that the issue of uh, uh, offences that they may or may not uh, be responsible for uh, would be matters that the Guardian would look at. Well, at different times, you were using different, you know, like you'd go different modes, whatever whatever suited. And uh, again, uh, don't want to put those people in danger by getting anything specific because when you think of it would people in ireland risk their lives for three colombians that were on the run you know like they were brilliant people now it wasn't just colombia obviously it was a whole it wasn't we as as individuals were almost irrelevant it was what we kind of symbolized that Who them we were people who who had gone to Colombia and, as a result of the thing, found themselves in prison and were now getting out. But in all the time we were in prison, we never uh, betrayed the Colombian people who had, who had helped, who had been, you know, who who we had met, who had, because we felt we had a, a sort of an obligation not to betray them, you know, out of common decency or common comradeship that if you meet people, you're not going to, the next thing, say, you know, give descriptions of where they were and what, what they were doing. So they knew we'd taken risks for them and they took risks for us. And it was, to me anyway, it was a brilliant bit of internationalism of people helping others who were in a similar situation, you know, like that. They saw us as fighting for freedom in Ireland. They were fighting for freedom in Colombia.
2: There was a common bond. In May 2005, the Columbia Three arrived back in Ireland.
0: You know, we're, we're told this is causing a crisis in the peace process. This is not causing a crisis in the peace process.
3: Colombia called for the three men's extradition. No treaty exists between
2: Ireland and Colombia. Four years later, Jim Monaghan translated and published Diego's writings. There was an Irish version using funding from Ferris Nagelga, and the English print was a profit-sharing deal with the Sinn Féin bookshop.
4: Diego
3: has a copy of his book with him in prison. Jim sent it over. He says, The book gave me a lot of satisfaction that I achieved this goal. It filled me with confidence. Diego still has five years to serve of his sentence. We talk. Diego says, The war in Colombia is lamentable. Thousands have been killed or injured. You start to die in prison, spiritually, morally, sentimentally, because the first thing you lose is your family. I have a son. He was one when I was imprisoned, but now we have no relationship whatsoever. The last time I talked to him was seven years ago.
2: Jim Monahan's son was doing his mock-leaving cert-Irish exams a year or so ago. He looks down at the papers. He scratches his eyes to make sure he isn't seeing things. The text is an extract from Diego's book translated into Irish. And I
0: hope some of the kids are doing the exam were pleased that they had something that was a bit more
2: out of the, the usual. Its basis is a manuscript taken home by his uncle. The journal of a Colombian gorilla who had both his hands blown off. The book his dad oversaw and encouraged when he was locked up in a Colombian jail on charges of travelling on a false passport and training FARC gorillas. Like, I'll
0: tell you, and obviously when I tell you a story, I'm telling it from my point of view. But we all have that problem that everyone comes from a point of view. There is no such thing as a neutral. You couldn't be neutral in the world because the world affects you. So you tell your story from your own point of view and people can accept a lot of it or a little of it or none of it. That's that's just the way, like, if... uh, like I I have talked to British soldiers and I've talked to you know things because I've been in jail with them and uh, it's interesting to see what their point of view is and you you obviously say well this I know where that fellow's coming from so I can judge what he's saying on the basis of and he's obviously doing the same to me I think that's just the way the world is you just have to you'd be foolish to think that you're going to get the full truth from anybody.